everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for September. This means jumpers. It means jackets. It means slightly darker in the evenings. It means excuses for putting the heating on. It means that we're not boiling up in some kind of horrific inferno because autumn is enveloping us in its blanket of of crinkly-leaved love and don't we just like it. Well, don't we just like it? But sometimes we want to get away from it all. Sometimes we want to be somewhere else. You could say sometimes we even want to get an escape. But we can't always afford to go away to escape. Sometimes we just want to escape into ourselves. We want to be sitting down. We want to maybe have a book in front of us that lets us escape into somewhere else. So so we are better not just escape, but maybe some escapages so joining me to talk about escapages i've got matt rowe and i've got his his i've got his favorite friend in the universe until the tax inspectors catch up with him it's 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 stephen lock here hello 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 How, how are you gentlemen we could sit and we could say hello for the next 10 minutes. Yeah, we're doing very well. I think Thank we're you. doing so. Yeah, we're good. We're good. That's, that's good. I'm glad to hear. Um, I want to pick the tiny corners of your minds to find out a little bit more because I'm intrigued. Um, I am a small... When I was a small boy, I was a boy who was often given kind of a book, a grand book of puzzles by my gran which contained kind of logic puzzles. This was before the advent of Sudoku. And you're taking this to the next level. Oh, it's, it's not even, it's a different building. It's, a, it's like, not even the same street. There's a, there's a drab building, that's where your yeah. puzzle books are. And then there's this high, shiny, high tech. There's glass. And, yeah, it's a different building. It's a different building. Yeah, lasers. Yeah, we've got lasers as well, yeah. 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 Oh, you got one of those opening automatic door things with a button that you press to get in we've got two of those no no it's not that easy no it's no we haven't got this no sorry no there's a code yeah sorry of course yeah there's a yeah right yeah you, you I think you said that in the beginning you just messed it up yeah. totally it totally was a code it's definitely really a code matt knew where it was code. going matt knew where it was going with it <laughs> steve just you know code thing it was there it was like an open goal you just missed. gave yeah it was yeah. on a plate unfortunately steve's, steve's fallen down the trap door in front of the uh, code <laughs> on the door. <laughs> this is really awkward. Yeah, it's not awkward at all. It's only going to get awkward from about minute eight forty-four in. <laughs> Marking that. Okay, good. And now, and now it's awkward. Um, 
for the admin side of things, I guess we should be saying to people, for people who haven't listened to us for the first, or are listening to us for the first time, thank you for joining us. The reason that we do this is quite simple, is that um, there's not enough podcasts about board games. We've been doing this for three years. I know it's far too long, and some people say we should just disappear back to where we came from, but we're, you know, we're still going. But there still isn't enough podcasts about board games out there. And the second reason that we're doing it is I have been having <clears throat> some rather delightful conversations with these two gentlemen on the Twitters. And the conversation went round to, would you like to come on the show and chat about your fantastic interactive um, puzzle books? And the answer to that question was yes, so we decided to get them on, so there you go. So, um, let's set the way back clock for two small boys running about in the woods, getting occasionally in trouble, you know, throwing conkers at each other and all that kind of thing. Um, how was it you first kind of met? I guess is the first question. I'm going to put that. To, I'm going to put that to Matt. What, oh, how did you man. first? Oh, you want the truth? <laughs> Interesting. Okay, okay. Let's hear his well, version. We, we were at the same school. Uh, Steve is obviously a lot older than me, um, but <laughs> he hasn't chimed in. <laughs> I'm slightly older than Steve. Right. He, he was the cocky one at school, was trying to uh, blag dinner money off me. All right. That is true. Um, so it's, it's we true. were also in a youth group together, um, and I think we we clicked straight away. Similar sense of humour. Mm-hmm. We like to clown around, um, and it's it's gone from there really. Uh, but there's an odd family connection, which is a, is a, a long, interesting for some story. Is it kind of like is it kind of like who do you think you are kind of connection? If you go back. It both turns out that you were uncles that owned owned the same horse, or something like that. Is it that kind of connection? Nearly as tenuous as that. Is it very nearly? I, I think it's, it's well. I don't. I wouldn't describe it as tenuous. I think it's it's a genu- generations. It's a it's a genuine connection. We are. Uh, Matt is married to my third cousin. <laughs> wow. But that's got nothing to do with how we know each other, which is the weird thing about it. That is so that so in other words, this was almost like a fate destiny type yes. thing. You could say that, yeah. yes. Yeah. So Matt uh, Matt used to come around to my house after um youth club on um Sundays and we used to have drop scones and he uh-huh. brought round his uh, then girlfriend and we were chatting and she recognised a picture on my wall. He said, uh-huh. oh, I think that was done by a relative of mine. I said, no, I don't think it was because it was done by my grandma. He said, yeah. no, I definitely think it was. And we looked up in the address book and she was in there and it turns out we were third cousins. So, yeah, spooky. But then Matt went on to marry this fine woman. I know. Even I know. knowing, even knowing. Even knowing it was bringing him closer to me. Possibly. That's right, that a, has a been said. force. <laughs> You were just saying, I'm friends with this person, Matt. This is what you said. And you said, I was wondering if there was any possible way our friendship is so strong that maybe we could become related in some way, shape or form. Is that kind of what drove it? Or was it because probably you liked the girl? Uh, you know, it's the not girl's got a lot down to do in the details. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, the evidence speaks for itself, doesn't it? So... 
So, I mean, it sounds like this is like a friendship that's been going for kind of some time. Was there any kind of, you know, was there any kind of breaks? Did you move away from each other for any period of time? Or have you just stayed kind of steady friends kind of since well, then? Steve constantly moves about in his, in his caravan. So uh, <laughs> All right. it just takes a lot of work to keep up with him. Again, nice. Is it a motorhome? Is it a motorhome caravan? Is it a motorhome caravan? Um, so you, we grew you, up. We grew up together, sort of two miles from each other, um, right. and then um, Matt moved away for um, witness protection reasons, and um, we now live about fifty miles away from each other, approximately. Although sometimes it feels like a hundred, but um, we are in regular contact. Um, Was that a dig? Actually, that you don't see him enough. No, it, it sometimes I, I, feels like a hundred. That's a dig, Matt. No, you can accept that. No, that's heartfelt and yearning, like. Like, I think if I think it'd be the best thing and the worst thing if I was next door neighbours to Matt because um, we'd just never get anything done. <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd get very easily distracted. But oh, hold on there. Mm. Sorry, we get very easily distracted by fun and ephemera and different things. But we have we have almost aligned interests despite having completely different sort of professional backgrounds and whatever. Have you yes. um, have you barbecued together? Has there been a barbecue thing going on? Have you done the barbecue summers round oh, each other's houses? And do you stand next to each other at the barbecue sharing tips while you're basically charcoaling a chicken? Have you done that yet? I, I don't think we've done a lot of that. But one thing we do share hmm. is uh, it's going to London with a packet full of googly eyes and sticking those in random places. This is true. Um, we are a big fan and of Googly Eyes. And beer is drunk. Yeah, yeah big fan. Um, have, you, have you ever seen googly-eyed Jaws? No. You've never seen googly-eyed Jaws? That is something that I've missed. Right, you, it's you weird need to, because I, I you get posts... No, 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 get, no, no you, you need to do this right now. You need to open up a browser... And you, you will thank me for this. You need to go and just search for Google googly eye jaws. You I just need to do this. No, I'm, not do doing, it now. I'm not doing it. Now. I'm not doing it now. You have to do it now. Well, it doesn't need any more distraction. You just have to do it now because it's I'm, just amazing. I'm adding it to my list. Have well, you have it? you seen googly eye jaws yet, Matt? I haven't. No, but that's going on the list. You have to see. You have to see it. You have to watch it. And you have to report back once you see Googly Eye Jaws because I am just about to enrich your life by about the smallest fraction that there is, basically. But it'll be entirely worth it. It'll give you something to kind of. It'll give you something to kind of giggle at. Um, in terms of tabletop stuff and board game stuff and other things like that. Was that something that you have, you guys kind of got yourselves involved in? Because I'm, I'm obviously I'm aware that what you're offering is slightly in the Venn diagram sense of the word. It's kind of there in its own little thing next to escape rooms and then next to interesting books. So do you do you get involved in the kind of the tabletop hobby at all, Stephen? Um, yeah, well, I went to uh, UK the UK Games Expo. I've been quite a keen board gamer for a couple of years mm-hmm. um, and the, the thing that I like the most about it I've got uh, four young children 
mm-hmm. um, three of whom I like. And um, one of the things that we've benefited from is playing cooperative games and love a cooperative game because when we were playing competitive games, they would always battle and argue with each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now we're playing cooperative games. They battle and argue with each other, but for a common goal. So, you know, there's, it's a good spin. Do you know the game Forbidden Island? Yes, I do. Just, yes. I think it's, it's hands down our favourite, and it's so clever. Um, that element that you are sitting at a table playing a good board game, and yet there is a sense of tension. I think that's how that can be generated is fascinating to me. Um, and I think it's really, really cleverly designed, mechanical, and it's really cleverly designed. But Have you, have you yeah. taken it to the next level and tried... Oh, Oh, Vanilla Dun- Pandemic. Well, have um, you tried Vanilla Pandemic yet? I haven't yet, no. Because that is it's simplistic enough in terms of it's you can house rule it to make it an awful lot more simplistic, but you get that you get that added lesson of teaching them about mortality and saying, I'm sorry you've all failed and everybody's died kind of thing. Well, which they is get always that daily from me, but it's, it's nice <laughs> to put it in a board game, I suppose, you know. <laughs> have sugar, you played that got, a little bit. that got dark? Um, have you played Have you played Super Rhino Hero Battle yet? Those are just four words that you put together. I can't believe it's, this. Is that there's a game called? Oh, have you played uh, Pen Biro Cable? No, it's, it's a game. Super, write that down as well. Oh Super, man, it's like a weird shopping list. It is Super Rhino Hero Battle. It's basically I, I I got this I got this game about a week and a half ago, and basically what you're doing is you're using kind of um, folded card and flat bits of card to build towers that everybody's building on, and then you have little wooden superheroes that you move up the buildings, and the idea is to make sure that the tower doesn't collapse. And I've been playing it with my six-year-old, and I've been playing it. I've been playing it with my eldest, and it's fantastic. And uh, depending on the age of your kids, they will all love it too. I promise. That sounds a lot more up my street. I'm all about the, there you uh, go. He's all about the rhinos. He loves the rhinos. <laughs> Big fan. Physical games, I think. You said they're, oh. an, they're an alpha unicorn, the rhino, didn't you, Matt? You should see his rhino collection. Hmm? I'm starting to think that if I'm wanting truth, I stay away from Stephen. And if I'm wanting facts, I go directly to Matt. Basically, what about you, Matt? I mean, are you are you I, a bit of a gamer? Do you like to to play around with the press and printed trees? Uh, so my family makeup was a bit different. The ages are a bit more diverse. So finding something that we can all get around the table and do is a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we we like to set each other little puzzles and things. Uh, so with my eight year old. Um, it's all about the, the logic and the maths. And, um, and then I have older teenagers. Uh, and well, if you can get them out of bed, they're, um, they're into photography and making films and stuff. So all right. sit, sitting down around the table is, is you know, it's not the sort of thing they want to do with dad. But, uh, another part of my life, uh, spare time has, has been as a volunteer youth leader. So ah, that right, is a okay. perfect opportunity for setting up big games, yeah. uh, you know, Mission Impossible style things, mm-hmm. climbing through a spider's web and taping stuff out on the floor. That's that's the sort of stuff that gets me 
excited. And, do, you, do you ever kind of take inventive. do you take games to them then? Do you ever take kind of board games round to the groups and let them kind of see what they're like? Because I'm I'm still I'm still super aware that there's so many brilliant kind of board games out there that I know that kids um, from whatever age would get so much out of it by not seeing that it's just in a different variation of Monopoly that it kind of sometimes opens their world into, into something completely different, you know? Sorry. What? Slight Monopoly alarm. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> you did well. Um, I think that the, the difficulty with board games, and, the, and this is a perspective from someone who got into it slowly a few years ago and has now launched as a as a co-founding publisher in in that sort of world, is it reminds me an awful lot of the, the indie music world when I was a teenager, mm. is that there was mainstream pop that was hugely popular, sold bucket loads, and everyone liked that. Admittedly, was vanilla, but probably why it was popular is because it was vanilla, so it suited all sorts. Yeah. And then you've got um, a growing, a really fast-growing board game industry um, made up of large companies, medium companies, small startups. And it's it's almost like you you scratch the surface and you suddenly think, oh my goodness, there are thousands now of games. And and it's quite tricky to try and navigate your way without going... Like, I've had a few bad Kickstarter experiences which have put me off buying board games from Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really tricky to try and navigate your way through that that whole realm of new board games and and it does sometimes feel like we want more people to play but at the same time we quite like the fact that we're indie does that make sense oh no completely i see that all the time i mean there's always there's always arguments about what you call gatekeeping in the hobby which is you know as anything becomes kind of more accessible people think back and try and show kind of superiority and I remember about the indie bands as well I remember people kind of going oh okay computer yeah yeah that's a good album but have you listened to Pablo Honey yeah, I bet you haven't kind of thing and I remember kind of that at the time and I've seen it I do see it from time to time with people who have been into board games for a while which are still kind of like well it's all very well with all these games coming out but I remember when you know you had to go out and cut down a tree and fashion your own meeples out of wood and it's just you know it's it's just you see it all the time with kind of like kind of like um kind of popularity um but yeah I know I know I kind of know where you're kind of coming from but do you I mean the both of you do you do you get time to kind of like spend time and you play board games together, or do you? Are you concentrating? No, we've, ne- we've we've never played a board game together, ever. See, I don't believe you because of everything else that you've said, Matt. Have you ever played a board game with Stephen? <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Wow, I can give okay. you. I can give you a typical meetup, if you like. Yeah. So, um, one type of meetup that we have is we can both get into London fairly easily. So mm-hmm. we we meet up after work, we have the best of intentions, we say we'll have a couple of quiet drinks and maybe a meal. And then at quarter to 12, I realise that my train's late, we haven't eaten, we've had um, too many pints, and then I fall asleep on a train and have to get picked up by my partner um, yeah. quite late. So that's a typical, that's a typical meet-up, but 
Um, for example, Matt's built his own pub at the end of his garden, and oh. I was round at his for one New Year's Eve, and um, he had spiked my beer, let's be honest, um, and we ended up kitting it out with items from that we'd found on eBay. Um, no. And another time we set up um, a series of mirrors and lasers in his kitchen. And this is why this is why we're grown adults. So we, Matt and I definitely have a, a level of playfulness, but we've, mm. we've also got this. I remember this quote from Jamie Oliver that said that he wanted people not to follow his recipes, but if there was something missing, to feel free that they could substitute things. He wanted to break away from that. This is how he must do things. And I think Matt and I approach lots of things like that with. Well, that's great, but how could we improve it? How could we play around with it? How could we yeah. pimp or adjust that? And I think that we—that's mm. almost our life view. Like both of that's us work I mean. in different, different, completely different worlds, and yet we're both individually known for coming up with original ideas or just good spins on things because we're playful in outlook. The ideas just spark when we get together, don't they? Yeah, I mean, in different ways. We've got such different backgrounds. Uh, Steve from teaching, I'm from engineering, so right. all straight away different. And you see that in our books in the way that they're constructed. S- Steve's uh, perhaps a lot more around the words and, and playing around with language. Mine are a bit more visual, yeah. uh, perhaps a bit more technical. Um, and, and now we're working on one together, which is really exciting. I think it's the first time we've actually, whilst we're doing this project together of uh, Escapages, we've never worked directly on the same thing together. And this is really quite interesting. That is true. That is true. And that's the thing that's out on social media at the moment. That's our flat pack catalogue. But, I mean, why a book? I mean, did you guys not think of actually putting together a kind of an actual escape room place as kind of like a one-off session to see how it goes? I mean, who came up with the idea of the of the kind of the Escapages book? Or was it something that you came up with together? Or do you it not remember? Together. That, so this was uh, last New Year's Eve. We both worked through uh, a certain black book uh, of a similar uh, genre, which I won't advertise the title of here. Fifty um, Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, that one. Wrong, wrong New Year's Eve. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we both the fancy included... dress that, that year was amazing. I just, I just can't even. Will you stop, Matt? You were saying. <laughs> <laughs> so we both worked through that. I've still got the puzzles. clamps. Sorry. I'm, sh- I'm, 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 sh- I'm sure you've had to replace the rubber on them as well. Um, <laughs> you can see what our evenings are like already. I, you? I don't want to imagine it. I'm probably too, too old. Um, <laughs> so you're set. You're sitting down. You're having a chat. You're repeatedly saying, Stephen, can we just get on with this, please? And, um, you know, he's like, going, look, 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 I can suck a glass onto my face. It makes my, you know, it makes my entire bottom of my face really, really big. And it's like, no, yeah. if you do that again, we're going to have to get the fire department out. And uh, then, look at all the places I've stuck googly eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the fire engine, that'd be amazing. Especially if I've got two really big ones. Oh, look, it's Thomas the fire engine. Um, so you're sitting down, are you both kind of like saying, well, you like puzzles, I like puzzles, let's do something different, puzzles are dull and boring, let's make them exciting. It, it was, uh, let's let's build on what's good here, and, mm. and I think we can give it a different spin, and 
we liked the narrative, we wanted to take it further. That was uh, the essence of that. Steve had already written quite a few books, self-published, and um, oh, so and three and and published. So self, some self-published and some through That's right. Bloomsbury. Yes, done some real ones. Real books. Yeah, but they're all real books. Okay, they're not like Facebook, kind of like pretend books. What kind of stuff do you write, Stephen? So I write mainly educational books, and I've been teaching for about twenty years, and yeah, and. I'm just I'm I'm restless professionally in terms of can I do better? Can I improve? How could I change this? What's the yeah. different spin? And um, as a result of it, you know, I I get asked an awful lot for ideas and suggestions and my methodologies. So, um, I mean, two of my books are ideas books. They're literally called A Hundred Ideas for I can't remember what they're called. Um, something like that. Hundred Ideas for but yeah, I've got quite a few books under my under my belt. But this is the these are the ones that are completely different to education, which 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 is exciting again. Yeah, but I mean, what 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 do you teach as a teacher? What you teach are you? What subject um, are you at high school? Are you primary no, school? Are you primary. So I teach year six, uh, which is 10, 11 year olds. Ten, eleven year olds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. too long before they go up to high school, really. Yeah. No. <laughs> and some of them are very keen to go to high school. Yeah. And are you, I mean, with you being a kind of like a teacher in this digital age, is it is it more difficult to get them actually involved in kind of books anyway? I mean, is that why you've got a certain, you've gone, decided to go for a book with a little level of interactivity? Is that based on your aware of how people's attention spans and stuff like that? Um, personally, I'm a massive advocate of of books and of reading. I'm just obs- mm. obsessed with them. So mm. um, I think that you can you can sell anything given the right spin to children. And I I do something called Dear Drop Everything and Read every afternoon. So all the children read, and I read as well because um, it's amazing how many parents come to your parents even and say we just can't get our child to read at home and mm-hmm. the first thing I say to them is when was the last time they saw you read and they say oh I'm too busy like well this could be why your child's not reading because they never see it modelled from you so in, every afternoon straight after lunch we all read for 15 minutes and it's absolutely magical there's that moment where they're getting fidgety and then they get comfortable and then they get into their book and then it just becomes magical and silent we don't analyse the books what we might do is talk afterwards I might mention what I'm reading and yeah. I make children book addicts. Yeah, that's the thing I find about sometimes it's making sure that you're tying in the enjoyment of reading, instilling the enjoyment of reading into a child and not being, oh yeah, well you've got to know the ins and outs of this book because we're going to be asking questions and we're going to be analysing stuff. I think it's important just to say, well, there you, there you go, there's Conrad's War for instance, I remember reading that years and years ago at primary school and it stuck with me because certain parts of the book the teacher touched on and certain other parts of the book she just said, well, we're just going to read this because it's, it's a damn good story, I think, um, at the time. Um, so that was kind of pretty good. So, I mean, is this kind of like an extension of what you're doing then? I mean, have you thought about kind of like 
doing a children's version of this book? I mean, when you were coming up with the ideas for the stories, were you looking at a particular kind of age range, mindset when you were discussing this? Or did you just say, well, let's let's put something together and see kind of what sticks? We we both... Should I, should I take this, Matt? If you like, yeah, I've got some things to add. Okay. Um, we, we both liked um, General 29, which was... Uh, a similar puzzle book but we felt really let down by the narrative and mm. it's something that Matt and I have discussed on and off for years about the value of a narrative and how a narrative can drive a story forward and we felt that although the puzzles were clever they were disparate and isolate and we wanted to produce a range of books where not only was there a puzzle but or puzzles but they were different and they, they contributed to a storyline and that's that's one of the things we're really, really passionate about because otherwise we could just... I mean, it'd be really easy and really complacent to just pump out Puzzle Book 7 with 50 different puzzles in and then yeah. Puzzle Book 8. And there's no differentiator. We want people to go, I love the puzzles, but I really wanted to know what was happening to that character at the end or I, re- I wanted to know why that character did that thing. And that's we want them to be talked about as books rather than... Oh, it's a puzzle book and I can chuck it now because I finished it. So, Matt, did did you share as much in the storytelling as the puzzle side of stuff? Did you both come up with the puzzles or was it your logical side that brought up the, the puzzles and then Stephen kind of threw the, the fur jacket over the top of it with the, the kind of the story? So we both launched in with our individual takes. In fact, we, we started on the same book. Um, mm-hmm. But then it quickly diverged into two mm-hmm. uh, with our all our different interests, and so so for me the, the narrative bit, um, I, I think Steve works the same way. But for me the narrative comes first, and mm-hmm. that sparks the ideas for the puzzle mechanics. And so when I when I was writing Miracle Forty Seven, that is based on a historical story, and uh, and if you know the story, then. You start to see some of the uh, the themes and the, and the words, puzzle answers coming through. Uh, and although I, I'm as much into story, uh, I'm not quite as much into reading, but enjoy it uh, because of my background in engineering, the, the research part of it uh, and problem solving, all those bits came together in in that book, and I found that absolutely fascinating. I never did really enjoyed history at school, but this this really brought something to life, you know, teasing out all the different threads and um, trying to create something that I thought would grip people. And I, I hope some of that comes comes through in the book, but we're, we're learning as we go. Um, we're taking feedback and sparking new ideas for a, adapting that style a bit in future books. Absolutely. I'm going even deeper into narrative, which is uh, beyond my comfort zone, but it's, it's even more enjoyable, actually. When I mean, when you're creating the puzzles, are they quite? Do you have to make sure that you're kind of able to communicate the idea of the puzzle, what's behind the puzzle? You know, as 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 well as just the kind of the the puzzles themselves, because one of the things I've seen, um, I, I was I recently um, I wrote a a preview a couple of months ago for a kind of a series of puzzle cards that appeared on Kickstarter um, called Cryptex. Oh, 
Oh, which what you were um, UK Gamescom, yeah, yeah. And what you were doing is you had individual cards that had the formation of a puzzle, and then what they gave is they gave clues to like a bigger kind of almost puzzle that was going on, and some of them they clicked with me straight away, and I was looking at it, and it was like, yeah, that's this is easy, and the other ones it was almost like you had to um, get into the mindset of the person that generated the puzzle in order to understand what they were trying to make cryptic, if you know what it, I mean. It's, it's a really fine balancing act. Um, and I've we've written a, a blog post about it, actually, and it's, it's like writing a, a questions for a quiz, is that mm. if you know all the answers, then you'd get 10 out of 10, but it's it's trying to work out what the general public think and what they would know and whether your knowledge is niche or whether it's, it's general knowledge. Um, I think one thing that we have thought really hard about which we heard this phrase was was that part of the puzzles is trying to work out what the puzzle is, what it's doing, and then you can solve it. And that's, yeah, that's, that's right. That's how, slightly the, how the puzzle mindset. works. Yeah. Because once you understand the mechanics, the solving part is, is a lot more straightforward. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting that that whole balance of how uh, how meta do you make some of it? Because uh, those those first two books, you know, the the puzzles thread along, and as you get the keys, they thread into the next puzzles. Uh, um, so you want to keep the interest going and uh, without people falling a hurdle thinking oh, I can't solve this one um, but then when you when it you do get it you think you take a step back and you go oh that's clever uh, and for me that if there's another level where you've got some easter eggs in there or some little bits I think that's what's coming out in, in Flatpak that's even more interesting because we are they're a, they're a diversion from, from the first books in that it's a single scene it's a picture uh, but encoded in it uh, are in your title, in your intro, in the link that says where you put your answer. Some of those are clues as to how the puzzle mechanics work. Some of those are clues to the actual answer. And then the other good fun bit is, as we're putting them out on social media, there's another opportunity for us to write around um, some more clues. Uh, so that whole thing should come together. And if it snaps with you, it's. It should make you uh, grin. I think at the yeah. end of it. I mean, the whole it's that enjoyment factor. The whole concept behind Flatpak was that I thought it would be a fun idea if there was a fake catalogue, just like the IKEA catalogue, but which had puzzles on every page, because it's like the IKEA catalogue is ubiquitous, isn't it? Everyone has one in their lounge, apart from ironically me, because um, I can't find mine. And I thought it'd be really nice to have. Like, a, a, puzzles are still seen as a little bit um, beardy middle-aged man, and neither Matt or I can grow beards, so we don't fit that category. But we we love this idea that you could have a puzzle book disguised as a catalogue that a friend could come round, and you wouldn't be embarrassed to have it out. You could even leave it out, and they might flick through it and go, "I've never heard of Flatpak. They've got some really nice furniture here," and and be totally unaware. That there are puzzles hidden on every page. So that yeah, there's different levels of the fascinating bit. You can almost encode it all. 
So, I mean, where are you with Flatpak? I mean, is that is that available to buy then, or is that is that something that you know people can go we out thought, and get just now? We thought you'd never ask. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we've done we've done the first two months. Well, we've done August. We're doing September. We're just giving them away free because basically we want to play around with the idea, get feedback, explore it, and then. This autumn, we're going to be launching it as a Kickstarter. Um, so people will be able to actually buy the catalogue and have it delivered to them. And it will look... I mean, it's one of those things. It's it's the equivalent of puzzle porn. You could have it delivered and no one would complain. Um, we're, we're not using that as a tagline, Matt, by the way. <laughs> I, um, I just run that would like to see the reaction. Department. Imagine the reaction to that. But what you have could, you been buying? I mean, like, to the brown envelope, is it? But, but it's, it's true, you can buy something and it can be like, it's for your hobby, so it's a little bit embarrassing. But if a catalogue comes through, you can go, oh, I just ordered this catalogue, and you can be you know, stealthily doing puzzles. I love that idea. Um, so the idea is that we're going to be launching it. We've got um, most of the tiers set up, so some people will be able to buy uh, the op- opportunity to put their own picture in the catalogue, so they'll send us a range of pictures of mm-hmm. their own furniture and we'll, we'll surreptitiously put some of their pictures in, that sort of thing. But it will be the same size but far glossier and obviously far more puzzling than the IKEA catalogue. I, I kind of like that idea and I kind of like the approach, to be honest. I like the idea of... Because people do catalogues or something that end up sitting around in a house and they don't even get to the gathering dust stage. They're kind of just there. Just there, And they kind of end up in a pile of paper and you keep them because you don't know. Even if you've got the internet, even though you can jump on wherever, I can jump on the Argos website, but I still got access to kind of like the Argos catalogue. Do you remember the Argos catalogue when you were a child? Oh my goodness. Like for Christmas. And you'd get pieces of paper and put in on the pages, like you'd find the toy section and then you'd fold over the pages of like what what do, what do kids do now? I should ask the ones that are I just there. Do you know what? That's the saddest thing. I mean this this is a sad a sad, sad tale. So prepare yourself. But I remember going round Toys R Us and you know going around Toys R Us with the kids and getting kind of ideas, you know, still able to say kind of like, and what would you think, you know, it's just to get some ideas so you can write it down in your Christmas list. And then obviously we went and bought them somewhere else because the price was ridiculous. And that's probably why Toys R Us went under. Absolutely. We didn't help. We just used it as a kind of a, like a walk around showroom so the kids could get I've, some ideas. For I've done worse than that. Terrible. I've had them hold the toys in Toys R Us and take a photo. That's I'm a monster. But uh, that's <laughs> terrible. That's yeah. quite funny though. And um, were you getting the kids to hold the toys, or were you just getting? Yeah, no, any, any child. I was wandering up to children. Can you hold this? No, I was <laughs> asking just, my own children no, to hold the toys the that they liked. Yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you don't get that. Yeah, and I remember the Littlewoods catalogue, and you know all these different things. And then, and it, those were back in the days. I remember. I'll tell you what. I got Space Crusade from the Littlewoods catalogue, and it took months to come. It wasn't like nowadays when people buy stuff on Amazon and get it the next day. You had to wait for your catalogue stuff. It was actually probably made on order. It was fantastic. Those were the days. Bring them on back. That's why I say harumph harumph. 
But um, yeah, so what's it? How do you go about play testing a puzzle game? I mean, do you have to? Do you just do it internally? Do, um, have you reached out your friends and stuff like that, kind of, to get them to help? We've we started building up a a, a, a select group, um, which is actually, in other words, a small group, a select group of people who love puzzles and give loads of feedback. So one of the things we really are keen on is feedback with a capsule left because some people say, oh, please give me feedback. But what they're actually saying is give me some praise, don't give me any negatives. Whereas we are really keen to find out what works and what isn't working. So, for example, um, I'm going to bring it up, Matt. Uh, in mm. my book, Prisoner 7... There is a puzzle which involves hockey sticks, and it's universally hated. Like it's now become a deleted scene. Everyone hates it. Like no one likes it. But but <laughs> um, so there's not going to be any hockey sticks in Flatpak or any future publication. But what was really interesting is that we knew that first off because we can see on our website when people have put in a solution and we can see from the number of hits that it gets, it should be roughly even, shouldn't it? It should be most puzzles should get the same number of wrong answers and right answers. And yeah. and the hockey sticks puzzle was just like three or four times as many wrong answers as the off others. Off the charts. Off really. the, it was off the charts. It was like, this is really spiking. People aren't getting this. And the other thing that we are really keen on is not just using a forum which other puzzle companies do we want to be accessible so if people want to dm us or message us or and we've had like we get questions most days asking for hints on instagram on facebook messenger uh, via twitter sometimes dm sometimes publicly and that's that's really good but it also told us never do a version of a puzzle which involves hockey sticks um, so, so we we're learning an awful lot there that about the difficulty of puzzles and something that the puzzles the the hockey sticks one I thought genuinely would be really easy to spot um, and people found it really hard. So it's made me reevaluate what I can find easy. Some other people might find really hard. In fact, um, the vice versa books. Do you know about the vice versa books? Is that the one? So you've got two books, and it's basically the same, but you're sharing puzzles between absolutely two people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Half a puzzle each. That came out from a conversation with my partner when I was we were talking about these puzzle books. She goes, "I can't, I can't do them because I couldn't do them on my own." And I immediately thought, "There's a, there's an amazing opportunity because you can sit with one book and try and work through a puzzle." But I love that idea that you had to be reliant on another person to work out those puzzles. And we're getting feedback all the time, so we're definitely flagging up the puzzles that are really driving people up the wall and the ones that people really like. Um, yeah. And in, in addition, we've, we've got uh, some playtesters who work through puzzles for us, and um, we share them with each other as well. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the issue with if you've got two, pe- two people working on the same puzzle is you've got the quarterbacking element where somebody who grabs where the puzzle's trying to aim for will yeah. say, oh, give it here and I'll fill it kind of in. Whereas if you've got, like you say, the vice versa kind of stuff, 
then you're kind of you're working together, but you're working on the sep, you know, the two separate sides of it. <clears throat> so it becomes a sense of achievement. Achievement kind of comes together instead of separately. I mean, was that the kind of the aim? Yes. With that, was that the aim? Yeah. The, the the idea was I had two really clear visions of it of a couple sitting together working on it together, and then um, another couple who are. Like one's working in America for two weeks, and then they're WhatsApping their halves of the puzzle so that they can carry on, and it's just uh, like a continuation, something they're doing together. And through feedback, we discovered that roughly half the people who play it are literally sitting next to each other, and the other half are WhatsApping each other the pictures and the puzzles and, and showing it that way. So I know four people who've actually joined together are working as a four to solve it. And that's that's really nice. Really like that idea that they've actually two of them got the heads version, two of them got the tails version, mm. and they're working as a four, set up a little group to work through the puzzles oh, together. Cool. So it's yeah, it's cooperative without having to be sitting next to each other. And it was another way to approach the the whole hints idea of how much do you give away, or how much do you? Because it's almost like writing another puzzle. If you want to give a hint that. Uh, doesn't immediately give the answer away you've got to kind of lead people perhaps a couple of steps closer to the answer so if you've got another player that that helps because we toyed with ideas like uh should we grade the puzzles should we put a difficulty thing in the corner or, or even you know for the whole book how, how difficult is this or what age range is it is it targeted towards but um the thoughtful thing seems to be a, a better approach and are you um, are you planning on doing an entire book yourself now, Matt, which just does various sports that can be played on ice with long sticks? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? There's there's another puzzle that has come up. It seems to be anything with handles, Steve, isn't it? The whisk one in flat. Oh, the whisk one is a bit no, more challenging. Goodness. I don't know if it's that or whether it's the the, the left-handed skew that you, you give to your puzzle writing that, that I don't know alienates. Some of the leadership. So day day six, <laughs> we we label each flat pack one a day, and mm-hmm. I think it's day six is the whisk, and um, mm. again that's had like astronomical numbers of, of hits. But when people get it, they really like it. But until then, it's like having dinner with an uncle you can't stand. It's like <laughs> people are like even Matt said, I didn't get it, and I knew the answer. And uh, he sent me a text later on with a photo with the crossings out and was like, no, no, you've just done the words the wrong way around. <laughs> it's, um, it's like one of those things where you have one of those pattern unlock things on your phone and you've just periodically changed it because you do and then you forget very slightly the exact order of the swirly swipe that you've got to do in your pattern and then... Mm when you get it again you're like yes this is it I know how to do it and then you try and do it again and you just can't and you're just like this this phone's rubbish and then you set it on fire and throw it in throw it in the bin forever with regret but um, have you thought of expanding out from the books then well you know, in terms of style yeah or, or beyond books to some other movie well, I'll tell you one of the things that that doesn't seem to kind of exist, and I'll there'll, there'll be people that will probably start your screaming tabletop audience from about now, but I've not seen, I guess a, 
a board. I know there's games out there that do a kind of a puzzle element, but they involve an app. But have you thought of of expanding into like a board game that contains kind of puzzle elements on the board themselves? Because normally, normally when I look at a game board, a game board only is really places to put the pieces. Let's face it; it gives kind of instructions. The board, the game board itself, you know, you could usually have a white piece of paper just saying, put your meeples here, put your resources here, this is where the cards go. But to have a fully interactive game board that gives clues and puzzles and stuff like that, I think that might be an interesting thing. There are are escape board puzzles that Mm. that are like escape rooms, but a lot of the criticism is that, that they they can only be played once. So in order to do a board game with puzzles, you'd have to have puzzles that could be regenerated or yeah. a massive number of puzzles. Like a legacy-type game with stickers mm. and stuff like that. That might yeah. be a... It's just a different way of... As I say, it's a diff- different way of kind of doing things. I know you get, like... Uh, I think it's, like, Detective um, is a game that you get. There's there's kind of quite a few kind of games out there that they, they rely on an app but you're sifting through clues to kind of solve who the murderer is kind of thing. And I'm just wondering how the kind of the application... But, I mean, have you got... You must have... Do you have lots of kind of books planned in, Matt? I mean, going forward, I mean, is this... Um, or is this depending on how the commercial side of things? Or are you, are you already saying, well, we're just going to do it anyway because we can kind of continue to kind of self-publish as it is? We are, we are going forward, so I've got two more in the works. Um, mm. I'm lagging behind a little bit. Steve uh, generates them about one a week, so he's he's <laughs> he's got two more out and another two on the way. Yeah. Uh, plus, we've got the, uh, the Kickstarter flat pack uh, thing coming, so that that will see out the rest of this year. Then we're we're looking at um, collaborations, so there's plenty on the roadmap to keep us out of trouble. <laughs> I think I think, I think you're the type of person that would probably not get in trouble. I'm kind of worried about, you know, Stephen, staying out of trouble. <laughs> Sounds like a troublemaker. He's, I reckon. A big box of I reckon. I reckon when he's in class, I reckon the kids tell him to sit down. Otherwise, you'll not get any golden golden time. You know, I think he gets. He ends up in the headmaster's office more often than the kids do. That's what I I'm, think. That's, you probably don't realise how close to the truth. That is very. I can how that is so. That is, he gets Mister Locke here if you don't sit down. You know we're going to have to bring you Please, off the happy can we cloud. Learn something now? <laughs> bring you off the happy cloud. Put you in the sad place. You're going to have to sit there and you'll not get a chance to read the book like everybody else. Oh, that's rubbish. And he flips the table and walks out, <laughs> kind of thing. But um, flat pack, how many pages? How many, I mean, how big is it? I mean, you mentioned it's like an IKEA catalogue type it's style, tiny. but well, how big it's, is it? It's 21 centimetres by 21 centimetres. Um, not size, size. isn't pages. Oh, the pages, <sighs> the pages are all 21 by 21 as well, yeah. That basically the, and the cover the, is the, the same of size as the pages inside. Yeah, and right. We're and, working and towards one hundred and forty pages. That's 
that's a significant amount. Of, that's actually more pages than I was expecting. I was expecting 67. Just goes to show I vastly underestimated. I know, but that's like a really, that's a really small catalogue then. We want, we want to have heavy. We, we have you seen, see, have you yeah. seen the yellow pages like, recently? Have you seen? <laughs> it's underwhelming, isn't it? It is. The yellow so we're page. not in that market. We're not the underwhelming catalogue through the door type market. <laughs> yes. We're no screw uh, fix. Oh, you just go in you just go online for them now, don't you? There are another people got rid of their catalogue. Um, have you got prices? Have you got dates? Do you know when the Kickstarter is roughly going to be launching? Uh we hope in the next couple of months. I mean, if we can get it in the next six weeks, that'd be great. It'll be a month long, and we're just finalising prices. But we we want it to be accessible. Um, we've done a lot of research, and and some some of our competitors and some of the items on Kickstarter, knowing what we know in terms of um, having worked in publishing and having worked and buying it, bought in bulk. We can't work out why they're charging quite so much for a printed publication. So we want mm-hmm. to make it accessible. The idea being that the more people buy it, the more people play the games and uh, in- enjoy the book. It's definitely not a commercial venture for us. This is we've discovered an outlet for our um, daft and sort of strange tangent thinking that actually yeah. other people enjoy and that's that's the charm when we when people say love that puzzle that's the right that's the reward isn't it matt absolutely that's the amazing bit about it being mm. out uh, and the challenge for us being a daily puzzle on social media at the moment so that plan was to do two months so that gets us to 60 puzzles there's about half the book then that we know has been play tested uh we will refine it a little bit you know mm. tart up a bit more for publication but it's principally as you see it going out now. And we know people are enjoying those as they feed us feedback to us. <laughs> has it been has it been um interesting to have to jump on the marketing kind of wagon as well? I mean learn kind of get involved in the kind of the social media building noise and stuff like that. I mean I'm I'm guessing that Stephen will have a little bit of experience with that because he's the books and kind of Getting some publicity and spreading the word for that, but is this is this again been a bit of a learning exercise to say right, we've got this product, we're looking at kickstarting it, kind of how, how a, do we a, get a it out there? Slow burn to some extent, but yeah, yeah we've got starting to see just how different the different uh, channels are: Instagram, Twitter. Um, you interact in different ways; they build in different ways. I think there's a, there's, there's a massive, it's really interesting sharing an account with someone because um, sometimes I'll look on Twitter and there'll be no notifications and then I'll see that Matt's read them, which means it's turned off the notifications. But, it, but mm. um, we, we both respond in a, in a similar way because we've got a similar wavelength and a similar sense of humour. So mm-hmm. we do feel it's quite, I think it's quite good for, for our audience that they, they're going to get, whether Matt answers or I answer, they're going to get the same sort of um, either earnest Banter. response if they're worried or pithy response yeah. if they're taking the mickey. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was interesting hmm. being out the other night when we, we thought we'd take advantage to set a little puzzle as to where we were together. 
and and the responses that came in for, to that and how we responded. We didn't realise we were both texting at the table, <laughs> responding to the same person. Oh, dear. So, end of the year, have you, as I said, have you got a price, roughly? Are you looking at a tenner? Are you looking at £20? Are you still deciding? We're looking, Are you at, looking, at, at, we're looking at around £15. Right, okay. Are you looking at getting it printed locally as well? Because it's going to be a printed product. It's going to be it's going to be printed in the UK. Yeah, cool. Um, we've got three printers that we've got final quotes for different prices, and they're all um, forest sustainable certified. So we know that we're printing a catalogue, um, but it's actually one that's actually going to be looked at rather than. I mean, you you go into Argos sometimes when they've got their new catalogue out, and they've literally got a wooden crate wheeled in and there's mm. reams of them and I yeah. wonder how many they're actually looked at whereas this is going to be um, art colour paper like a nice heft to it and we know that people are actually going to spend at least 5-10 minutes on each page which is more than you'd get in you know a colouring book and, yeah. and we know that it's going to provide hours of pleasure and we think that we've seen books for £34 puzzle books for £34 that are black and white and we think by by pricing it so that we get a little margin so we can use that to promote it and build up our roster then hopefully more people will enjoy our work and, um, and spread the word. And I just love the idea of these flat pack catalogues being littering the world not in a, in a good sense <laughs> Being on coffee tables Coffee tables, yes yeah. Yeah, sounds... I they're going to have a better feel than the IKEA catalogue, aren't they? It's going to be decent paper. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds like a really, really good, fun idea, an unusual idea that's going to pique a lot of people's kind of interest. Um, I hear I have an idea that we we accidentally leave a few in a, in a certain furniture store um, on coffee tables. So we'll see how that goes. That might get us into trouble. It depends who's leaving them, I guess. And if they've got, if they've got kind of like a gay abandon for the law, you never know. Um, these are the these are the times that we live in. Um, if people who've listened along tonight, if they're like, "Oh, this sounds really really interesting," um, where do you exist on the internet webs? Where can we find you? We are. We have a website. It's escapages.co.uk. Mm-hmm. We are on uh, Twitter and Instagram as. The Escapages. We're also on Facebook. Uh, it's the same, The Escapages. You can find us that way. Excellent. You well, can we'll, email us. Uh, we do respond. Uh, my, MySpace. Get, you're not, my Stephen, space. I think you're existing there on your get, own. Get, get, Stephen, you're by yourself. It's, it's gone. It's, it's gone. They're, they it's, don't it's, do it. It is quiet, they, to be fair. Very they, quiet. Lost, they lost it. They lost it. They lost everybody's music. They lost everybody's music. It's down that trap door. People that are listening to this, if you're bringing up MySpace, you're just bringing up Hurt. When they lost all the tracks, when they did the server migration. This isn't isn't healing anybody, this conversation. At all. I've heard that countless times. (laughs) I I have no doubt you could potentially get a tattoo of it. Um... (laughs) If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, you know where we live. Go to the internet webs and search for We're Not Wizards and you'll find us in various places. Worn out faces, worn out places. 
on like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and we've got our blog which is we're not wizards.blogspot.com and we've got our website which is we're not wizards.com and you can find us in all the podcast catchers which have got the word pod and the word cast in them and then all these other places which try to be clever and don't have the word pod or cast in them but you can find us there if you search for us you'll find us if you like what you listen to tonight and there's no reason why you shouldn't have liked what you listened to tonight except for the sad bit at the end when we were talking about MySpace and it reminded me, maybe reminded people of all the music that they lost on MySpace when they did the server migration then you should consider telling people about us because that's how we spread like a horrible virus that can never be stopped so there you go or the other thing you can do is you can go into Apple Podcasts and you can drop us a rating or a review. And if you are going to be good dro- dropping us a rating or a review, you might as well drop us a sub- subscription as well. But remember, don't give us ten stars. Because it makes us big-headed. And don't give us one. Because it makes us cry. Give us something in the middle, like a five. Because it's average. And, you know, we're just a little bit average. But the people who have not been average tonight, I give you... The wonderful Matt, I give you the amazing Stephen, I give you escapages. Thank you very, very much, gentlemen, for coming on. I really, Thank really you very much for having us. Time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Um, are we wizards, gentlemen? Um, let me just check. No. 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 <laughs> thank, thank goodness. I was dreading the worst. Um, and the other thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye. Well, say goodbye, Matt. Goodbye, Matt. Oh, for goodness S- sakes. Say goodbye, oh. Stephen. Goodbye. I'm not doing it. Why not? Everybody does it. Goodbye, Stephen. There you go. That didn't hurt, did it? A little bit. No. It, did, it didn't, though, yeah, did it? it did a little bit. Unless you've got a sore throat. I mean, it didn't hurt, did it? No. And it's a goodbye for me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Make something awful. And until the next time. Um, as I say, um, if you want to escape in the pages, check out the escape pages because there's puzzles galore. You might be staring at the floor. There might be a catalogue there, but it could be puzzles. Beware. But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. (laughs) 